Welcome to the Calgary Real Estate Investing Podcast, all about real estate investing in the Calgary market. Today's show is sponsored by Mikasa Home Inspections, Calgary's top-rated home inspection company. Mikasa understands that the highest quality of service is essential, so make sure to call Mikasa before your next real estate deal. And now your host, Corey Peckford. Hi guys, Corey Peckford here. On today's show, I had the pleasure of speaking with Andrea Workington. She's a very experienced real estate investor and realtor. She has extensive knowledge of the Red Deer market. So if you've ever considered moving to or investing in Red Deer, Alberta, I'm sure you'll get a lot of value from this show. Morning, Andrea. I want to welcome you to the Calgary Real Estate Investing Podcast. How are you doing this morning? Fantastic. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm glad you can be here. Can we just start off? Maybe you could just tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got into real estate investing. Sure. So I'm actually from British Columbia, and I was a police officer for the city of Vancouver for six years. And during that time, I did a lot of reading books on different financial ventures, everything from stock market to real estate. And I came across a live talk radio show that was interviewing a gentleman named Don Campbell, who was at that time the president of the Real Estate Investment Network in Canada. And up to that point, I'd never seen a real estate book about investing in Canada. So I rushed out to the store, bought it, ended up joining the Real Estate Investment Network in 2005. And part of their program used to be called an acre. It was a weekend event and they had them all on CDs. (laughs) So we're going back a ways. And so we listened to the weekend CDs and my husband and I decided we would move to Alberta. There was just so much more opportunity to invest in real estate compared to being in Vancouver. So that's kind of what took us out to Alberta. And we chose Red Deer because my then husband at the time does not like big cities. And he had one friend in Red Deer and I knew nobody in Red Deer and he was a licensed plumber. So it was very easy for him to get a job in Red Deer and he got an immediate $10 an hour increase Wow! for doing the same work. So the quality of life of living in Red Deer, even back when we moved here in 2006, was so much higher. So you could afford to live on one income. And so when we moved out here, our oldest child was two months old. So new baby, new city, and just starting out in real estate. So Initially, we purchased a fourplex and we lived in it while we fixed it up and put a hundred grand of renovations into it. And as the market was rising back then, we refinanced, took money out, bought more properties, and it just kind of went from there. So once I ran out of our own money, then I partnered with my uncle, who was my first joint venture partner. And we bought a couple of properties together and I met more people at real estate events and networking things and just kind of grew my portfolio that way. So, you know, I started out with long-term buy and holds and I kind of added some extra strategies. So back in 2009, I started in the creative real estate. So doing agreements for sale, rent owns, that sort of thing. And that really helped propel me forward much quicker than I ever anticipated. So learning that especially the seller financing strategies just allowed me to buy a lot more properties with very little money and no mortgage qualification. 
So I was able to, you know, buy quite a lot of properties over the years using that strategy. So that kind of led me to, you know, purchasing a lot of seller financing properties, doing rent to owns as a back end to that. Uh, sorry, just to jump in, yeah. how were you finding some of these seller financing deals? I used to have a website, so I get a lot of leads that way, but a third of the deals I did through realtors. So the realtor I had had been around for a long time. And back in the 80s, agreements for sale was a very popular strategy because the interest rates were so high, up to 22%. And people had a lot of difficulty selling their properties. But actually, the agreement for sale strategy goes back to the 1950s. So after people came back from the Second World War, the government had to find a way to help these soldiers find a way to purchase a home. So that's actually when agreements for sale were initially introduced, because back then you actually needed 50% down to buy a house. So it was very difficult for people. Sorry, I knew about the 80s, but I didn't know about the 50s and the coming back from the war. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I actually learned that from Barry McGuire, who a lot of people know is a longtime real estate lawyer, and he's somebody who helps teach that strategy. So yeah, it's very interesting. It's been around a long time and people think it's just something new, but it's not. It's actually old. Learning those creative strategies really helped me to build a portfolio much quicker than I ever anticipated. And then over the years, having some fourplexes and, you know, I always continue to buy some long-term properties. So I've just grown my portfolio that way and changed and evolved and I did proper name management for about five years, and I'm now a licensed realtor for both residential and commercial and doing property development. So wow. I've kind You're... of done a lot of different things Definitely <laughs> over my 18 years of investing. So I'm impressed. So I just wanted to jump back. So did you actually own in BC a property or you weren't owning and you just went to Red Deer and just bought a fourplex? Like that was your first property? No, we bought our first house with 5% down in Port Coquitlam and it had a basement suite. So that was kind of a happy accident oh, because okay. back then it wasn't an intentional thing. It was a necessary thing because even back then it was very difficult to qualify for a mortgage without having that extra income stream. So we chose to buy a house with a basement suite. So I kind of fell into it, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Because I was thinking that's how a lot of people start is kind of like almost like the house hack. And then they kind of gets them some momentum in real estate investing before they would go to say to a fourplex or something. Right. Because mm -hmm. uh, obviously that's a bigger property. There's just more moving parts, that kind of thing. But yeah, that's yeah. really impressive. So now we're going to focus on Red Deer, the economy, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. We're just going to start off maybe as a high level. And then we're going to try to dig into some, a bit more of the details about Red Deer. So for our listeners, if you could just start off maybe with a 10,000 foot view of Red Deer and just kind of what's going on there for economy, yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. So Red Deer is about 105,000 people. So it's a really good sized town and it services a trade area of a quarter of a million people. So people that are kind of within an hour drive of Red Deer. So if you look at Stetler to the east, Pinoca to the north. Rocky Mountain House to the west and Olds to the south. If you were to draw a circle around there, that's kind of the trade area for Red Deer. And by that, I mean the number one employment actually in Red Deer is in the service industry. So whether it's, you know, 
the mall or tire stores or Costco, all of those services is actually the number one industry in Red Deer. It used to be when I first moved here in 2006, it was all about well-servicing companies. They still had the trade area and they still had the servicing, but we have a lot of large multinational agencies that were here or corporations that were here for oil well-servicing. And so over time, as we know with oil going up and down, some of that stuff got consolidated or moved elsewhere. So over time, that I've been here since 2006, Red Deer has transformed to basically a blue collar oil field town to more of um, we're still fairly blue collar, but we have a lot of manufacturing. We have a lot of services and a lot of agriculture. They're doing quite a large expansion again on the hospital. So they just completed the last one not long ago, and they're doing another one. And really for the size of Red Deer, we should actually have a second hospital, and we just have the one. So they're doing another expansion on that. But but since I've been here, and more especially over, I'd say, the last five or six years, we've seen a lot of expansion on the manufacturing. So, for example, we have the Ollie Mel Pork Processing Center. They probably doubled the size of that place. We have a lot of foreign workers who come to work specifically at that plant. So we have a lot of people from Central America, especially. And so Spanish is actually the second common language here in Red Deer. And over time, what the city's done is we now have Spanish-speaking schools here for anyone to attend. So I think that's kind of cool how they've embraced that second language and really put it into the community. Now, as an example, we have the Joffrey Oil Refinery, which is 20 minutes east of Red Deer. That employs a lot of people from the central Alberta area, very high paying jobs. And right next to it is the Dow Chemical Plant. So Dow being the plastics plant. So both of those manufacturing centers have had huge expansions over the last five years as well. So we've seen a big move more to the manufacturing side. So that would be closely behind all the services. And also healthcare is quite large here in terms of employment as well. So Red Deer, what used to be when I first moved here, more of an oil field service town has really expanded into things that are not reliant on oil. And that's what makes Red Deer a really stable place. It sounds like it's really diversified, which is great for an investment standpoint over the years, right? Like you're saying, because it would have been obviously very cyclical based, kind of like how Calgary has started to diversify its economy and not to be so dependent on oil and gas prices, that kind of thing. Exactly. I find it super interesting about the Spanish as a second language. That's awesome. My kids went to Spanish bilingual for six years. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think that's great. I didn't know that either about uh, Red Deer. Yeah. I would say the Filipino community would be right behind that, not right behind far the, behind that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then for GDP growth, is there any statistics on that for Red Deer, what it currently is, maybe what it's projected to be? Yes. Yeah, so the most recent stat is 2019, and the GDP growth was 1.7. Now, the projected for Alberta overall this year is over 4%. And I do think that you know, from what we see in the Red Deer area, it's definitely in a growth 
we are seeing a lot of people move to Red Deer specifically from BC and Ontario because of the cost of living. So Red Deer was actually named the most affordable city to live in all of Canada. And part of the reason why is if you've ever looked at what CMHC considers a good percentage of income. So generally with CMHC, they say you shouldn't spend more than 30 to 33% of your gross income on housing. Red Deer is 25% on housing. So when you look at the average homeowner, they're paying roughly $1,400 a month in a mortgage payment, which is pretty low compared Very to other areas. And then the rental rate, the average rental rate here in Red Deer is 1100 Now, practically speaking, what are you going to get for $1,100 here in Red Deer? You're going to get a two-bedroom fourplex, or you will get maybe a two-bedroom apartment. So you're not going to get a whole lot for your $1,100. You know, you're not renting a house for that. Please don't think that. But <laughs> most houses, you're going to be like $1,800 to $2,000 a month. But, you know, it's always about averages. So the average household income is $99,000 in Red Deer. That's a fair chunk of money. But it does speak as well towards us being more of a service-oriented. Because service-oriented doesn't necessarily mean high-paying jobs. So if you look at the actual median income of Red Deer, it's $44,000. So what that says to me as a landlord is, there's a lot of people who need to rent. And if I'm buying fourplexes or townhouses, those are good investments. What I have found over the years of being a property manager and managing a large portfolio of all sorts of different properties, the townhouses, in my opinion, is your best bang for buck because people stay in them a very long time on average. And as you know, Every time you have a turnaround with a tenant, that costs you money as a landlord. You might have to repaint or fix stuff. And I just found through the years of managing properties, townhouses just seem to have the most stable tenants and the best return on investment. So when people talk to me about if you're buying a single unit, what do I recommend? I recommend a townhouse. And then what would a typical townhouse rent for in Red Deer right now? Say a three-bed, uh, two-bath. Yeah, fourteen to $1,600, depending on which area of town. And you're going to spend to purchase one of those if it's not in a condo association, which is my recommendation because condo fees can go up, of course. You're going to spend anywhere from, say, 200000 to 300000 at the most. Okay. Do they typically have a garage or is it street parking? What do you see in most of you? Yeah, so the higher end ones would have an attached garage or maybe a detached garage, whereas the lower priced ones would not have a garage at all. Okay, and then the rent, that's going to exclude the utilities, right? So you're going to pass that's that on right. to the tenant. Okay, yep. so at those prices, you should be seeing a cash flow, even at these interest yes. rates. Like, Are you seeing well, any that's, issues with that's that? That's the difficult part for sure, because... You know, we've seen a steady rise in interest rates. But what I can tell you is when I first moved here to Red Deer, we had a 5% interest rate on our mortgage and we were still able to cash flow. So I think it's really important to know your numbers well. It's really important to 
consider what part of the city you're going to be buying in. So there are a couple of lower income areas that I would not recommend buying in because it's tougher to rent and people will pay more to be in the desirable areas closer to the best schools. So in general, this is just a general statement, this south of the river area of Red Deer is considered more desirable. The north end is considered less desirable. That does not mean, however, that there is not fantastic areas in the north to rent in. There's also areas in Red Deer south of the river, which I would not choose to rent in, which would be the downtown area and kind of surrounding there because there tends to be like when we talk about the homeless population and that sort of thing, they tend to be either downtown or in a community called Riverside Meadows, which is one of the toughest areas to rent in. So you also need to look at the tenant profile that you would like to have. So one of my phrases about property management is it's adult daycare at best. <laughs> and I mean that because when you're dealing with the lower income people who may not be as educated, especially if you're dealing with multifamily and especially if they're not working and people are being at home, you're managing a lot of people not getting along with each other in terms of neighbors and stuff. And it's just harder to find good quality people who will rent in those lower income areas. So if you kind of stick to the Southeast side and it can be some of the older areas in the Southeast side, you know, you're gonna get a far better tenant profile than if you choose to go in the lower income areas. And then the price difference could only be 20 or $30,000 on a purchase price. When you said that, I, what I found fascinating, what came to me was, okay, you're an ex-police officer, you went into property management, and I could see the correlation, how that would be helpful, right? Especially when you're dealing with maybe some difficult people. Did you find yes. that was the case, having that training, that experience? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it certainly helped. So what I learned, especially from policing, is there's two sides to every story, and the truth lies somewhere in between. So <laughs> as a property manager, I don't take sides. I try to get both sides of the story and then it's a negotiation and sometimes you know like i'll put it to you this way i've only ever had two shootings oh wow <laughs> Both were in the lowest income area you know and again it wasn't necessarily related to my tenants it's just the area right so yeah yeah okay <laughs> well that's good to know i get crazy though that you've had two shootings to deal with or in you know was it specifically yeah. to your property or just close to your property? Well, one of them was basically the whole property was taped off because there was a shooting through the property, not inside the house itself, but through the yard, but it didn't actually have anything to do with my tenants. Okay. <laughs> well, so. that's good. <laughs> yes. So we touched on a little bit, but is there any other kind of big capital projects that you're seeing coming to Red Deer? I know there's always been kind of oh. like this rumblings about a high-speed train, that kind of stuff. Is there anything that... Yeah. So one of the things that the city has done a good job of, if you go onto their website, you can look out, you know, 20 years kind of into the future. And that's some of the research I did when we chose to move to Red Deer. So they've been talking about a ring road in Red Deer for a long time. And what that ring road will do is it'll allow the city to double in population over time. So they have 
started and stopped and started and stopped on the ring road, but they're actually going to be building another bridge over the river. One of the nice things about Red Deer is it's 20 minutes tip to toe. And part of the reason is we have multiple bridges over the, that river. So we're not dependent on one thoroughfare to get people from point A to point B. So with this ring road, it'll basically have to the west side will be the main highway, Highway 2. And then the north side of that is Highway 11A. And so people would come off the highway onto Highway 11A, and that would take them to the east side of town. So there's currently a range road that would be that ring road that will allow further residential expansion all along the east side of Red Deer. So that whole east side corridor of Red Deer will all be future housing development. And then, of course, as we know, when people have a ring road built, then people build on the other side of the ring road. Mm -hmm. So essentially, all of that residential will be developed on the east side. Whereas when we look at the industrial and the heavy industrial or the light commercial, all of that expansion is to the north and west of Red Deer. So the city has already appropriated land to grow in those directions. And so that ring road is one of those capital projects. They also have an 18 acre area in downtown that used to be city yards that they have called Capstone, the Capstone project. Now with that, you know, they're hoping over time to move about 20,000 people into that area. And it'll be, you know, five, six story, eight story apartment buildings. So high end condos, there'll be the walkability. So, you know, your coffee shops, your grocery stores, restaurants, all will be in that 18 acre area. So that's one of the things that the city of Red Deer has tried to do. So over near where I live, there's a subdivision called Timberstone, and they were really looking for that walkability. So a lot of that commercial has been developed, but a lot of the residential has not, because their concept was maybe a little too forward thinking, because we're far enough away from downtown that the whole walkability thing, most people drive in Red Deer, they don't walk. So it kind of fell flat on its face. Whereas I believe with this capstone project, it's a little better thought out. So that's, uh, I don't know how many multi-millions of dollars that capstone will eventually be, but so far there's no construction. So one of the things we always look for is, you know, is there a shovel in the ground? So, you know, there's that project going on as well. So they've already started on a large expansion of one of the rec centers. So Red Deer has five or six rec centers and they're doing a massive expansion on one of them. And so the city has been really good at filling in structures, doing new schools, you know, a lot of these capital cost expenditures that a city would have. So roads, hospitals, schools, the rec centers, all of that stuff is in progress on a regular basis. From that perspective, the city of Red Deer has done a good job. So with the ring road, is that just in the planning stages or have they actually started doing some work and put some money aside for that? Yeah. So as I said before, it's kind of stopped and started. So there is some money set aside for that. They have done some work for that. So for example, where the new bridge is going, there's been some dirt piled up there, you know, that will settle first before they could actually pave it, right? So some of that work has been going on for a number of years already. I see. Okay. 
Yeah. They're kind of like Calgary. I mean, our ring road is still kind of in progress, right? We've got, yes. hopefully in the next two years, it'll be completed for yes. Calgarians. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just wanted to kind of ask about secondary suites. How does the city of Red Deer view secondary suites? Yeah. So back in 2010, they asked all of us landlords to come forward with our secondary suites so that we could start the legalization process. So if you own stuff like I did back then, we did have the opportunity to grandfather our secondary suites and only have one heat source. These days, if you want to do a secondary suite and it's in an existing building, you do have to bring it to current building code. So how the city of Red Deer looks at it is they only want a certain percentage of secondary suites in each neighborhood. And there's only one neighborhood that is ever maxed out and it maxed out even back in 2010, it maxed out. And that's West Park because it's within walking distance to Red Deer College, which is now called Red Deer Polytechnic University. So now that we have that university status, they have had an expansion at the Polytechnic University as well. But that West Park community is the only one that is maxed out the 10%. So they don't want more than 10% secondary suites in these older neighborhoods. Now, when it comes to newer neighborhoods, like where I live, when they do the planning and design for those neighborhoods, there's already pre-allocated lots for secondary suites. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to build a secondary suite, but most developers do. So it's planned mostly on corner lots, as an example, so that there's extra parking available. But the city of Red Deer overall is very open to secondary suites. It just has to be done the right way. That's interesting. It is definitely, a, there's a shift there compared to Calgary's. You know, there's probably 30,000 illegal suites right now in Calgary. And if they were done prior to 2018, they're treated differently than after 2018. So there's a bit of a difference there. So if you owned a property that had an illegal secondary suite in Red Deer, never went and went to the city, say from 2010 and on, now you approach them, they're going to force you to get up to building code, which would be two separate heating, like two separate furnaces, that kind of thing. Exactly. Yes. Okay. So quite a bit of cost then if you wanted to have that suite recognized as legal, there's going to be quite a bit of cost Mm -hmm. and renovations required to do that. Yes. And we don't actually see a whole lot of illegal suites anymore in Red Deer. I think because over time people did take the opportunity to grandfather them in. And so we don't come across it a whole bunch anymore, to be honest. Okay. You know, there's the the odd house that you see it in where it's maybe been used as an in-law suite, which you're still allowed to do if it's a family member living there. Yeah, that's interesting. So let's say you're going to buy a property. Is there properties that are still kind of in limbo where they were grandfathered in, but the city never actually did the inspections or that process would have been completed? Or is there like some properties out there that are kind of like, you know, they went ahead to the city, but never maybe finished the process, that kind of thing? Yeah. So if they were grandfathered in, they still had to have an inspection back in 2010. So they still had to meet certain codes. And then you would get the piece of paper that said this is formally a legal secondary suite. So there was some oversight of that because you still had to make it safe. We had to have interconnecting smoke detectors even back then. It was really more just that you only had to have the one heat source, but all the other building code stuff we had to adhere to. So it was really mostly just about the heat source. I see. It's pretty similar to Calgary. Just Calgary has this 2018 or after kind of date set. So are investors doing mostly long-term rentals in Red Deer, or do you see much opportunity for, say, a short-term rental? 
So there is a fair amount of short-term rentals, but they tend to be located mostly in Sylvan Lake. So one of the strategies that people use in Sylvan Lake, which is 20 minutes west of Red Deer, is they do long-term rental of 10 months, and then they convert their units to short-term and they rent by the week in Sylvan Lake. So we see a fair amount of that in Sylvan Lake. In Red Deer, in terms of if you were to go onto Airbnb, you will see some stuff on Red Deer. I have done a number of years ago a little bit on Airbnb, and I find that it's a lot more management than what people think it's going to be. For example, if the cleaner doesn't show up, you're the cleaner. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, what I switched to was doing executive furnished rentals. And I found that that was way more hands-off and I think more stability. I tended to get professional people who were there for a job contract for six months or a year even. And so I had way less vacancy when I did the executive furnished rental compared to the amount of work that Airbnb takes. How were you finding those tenants or were you reaching out to corporations? How did you actually find those people? Yeah, just uh, advertising on Facebook Marketplace or on Kijiji. I think it's a super brilliant strategy. We talked about what would be an attractive property. So you had mentioned townhouses. Are there properties in Red Deer? I know it's maybe it's pretty general, but are there some properties that you would say are a bad idea for investors in the Red Deer market? I think it's more about location than anything else. So when it comes to, for example, single family houses, you don't want to be in something super expensive. So I would not buy a single family house over 400,000 to put in the rental market because the math is just not going to make sense. And so I think that doing fourplexes is great. Doing townhouses is great. You know, when people are buying little individual condos, you really just have to be careful about the condo fees because that can eat up a lot of your potential cash flow. For me, it's more about area and strategy than anything else. So, you know, I really like the townhouses for the long-term buy and holds if you're doing a single door property. And if you're looking at multifamily, fourplexes can do well. We do have some older apartment buildings. The thing that you have to keep in mind is, is we've had a lot of apartment buildings, newer ones built in the last five to eight years. And they're built by large corporations, by REITs, you know, some of these large multinational companies. And so when they build a hundred units on the same site <laughs> compared to somebody who's looking to buy an older rundown apartment building and turn it over, you just, again, have to consider who is going to live in your area and who's going to live in your building. So all the newer apartment buildings are built more on the outskirts of town and the newer areas that are more desirable. So my only caution is if you're looking to buy an older apartment building in Red Deer, just consider what your tenant profile will be. And especially in the location that you're going to buy. Yeah, that's great advice. With a detached house, if it has, you know, the legal suite already in it, what kind of premium are you seeing for a property like that? So the older ones that would be smaller, that would be a retrofit, they could be anywhere from 250 to 350 for purchase price, depending on the size of the house, the location, whether there's a garage, if the property has been renovated or not, whereas the newer ones, so say 2006 and newer that were purpose-built with the secondary suites, 
and you know would have separate utilities and all that kind of stuff those can easily be 375 to closer to 500 so you really need to do your math and make sure that the math makes sense but yeah it's partly about size and location yeah for sure okay with the market pulling back kind of almost universally have you seen red deer being affected at all the markets slow down a little bit in some areas there's other price points that seem to be hopping <laughs> and they go quickly so the newer products the newer houses they seem to be selling still fairly well anything kind of between the 300 and 500,000 dollar marks seem to be selling still fairly well the average days on market is around 45 days for that kind of price point however practically speaking some of the properties that i've been you know shopping with with clients in the last couple of months the good stuff is going in days with multiple offers i was just going to ask yeah, are you seeing multiple offers how about conditions are people yeah. still putting in the conditions or is oh, yes. so when i say multiple offers it's multiple offers and people are paying up to asking price they're not necessarily paying a lot over asking price and yes, people are still using conditions and things like that. So okay, so it's still yeah. a sensible, a sensible, you know. yeah. <laughs> well, that's good. So, as a real estate investor, what are some challenges that maybe you're seeing on the horizon, and maybe or what are some opportunities? Well, I think the biggest challenge really for people right now is mortgage qualification and interest rates. So, if you can pass that hurdle and make it cash flow or break even. I think that over time, rents will go up in Red Deer. So we're maybe lagging a little bit behind on the rents to what we should be. And, you know, the cost of living goes up. The rents have to go up because a landlord's expense goes up. Like we talked about interest rates, insurance has gone up, taxes have gone up. So over time, people have to raise their rents. And so what I'm seeing for people who are selling multifamily they have not priced their properties in line with today's interest rates. They're pricing them as if it was eight months ago when interest rates were still quite a bit lower. And so it makes it very difficult for the buyer to get financing. So I'm kind of waiting for that gap to close and for sellers to reduce their price and increase their cap rate because that's the only way somebody's getting financing. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, I'm going to just hit you with a few quick response questions. What's an app or software that you use for your business that you couldn't live without? Uh, Buildium. What does that do for you? Buildium is a property management software. I don't use it a whole bunch anymore, but when I was looking after other people's properties, it was invaluable. It's a super great way to be organized for property management. And so it's great because I have somebody else managing my properties but I can still log into Buildium. I can pull all my reports. I can see who's paid rent and who hasn't. It's super well organized. And I really love that system. Good to know. And how about a favorite book? What's one of your favorite books? <laughs> I don't know that I have a favorite book. <laughs> <laughs> Something with real estate investing? Anything come to mind? Uh, not in particularly. I would say probably my most recent favorite book is called The Magic of Believing by Claude M. Bristol. It's a very old book. And okay. I recommend people listen to it on audio. Nice. Okay. Mm -hmm. And what kind of things do you do outside of, you know, being a realtor and real estate investing? What kind of things do you do with your downtime? 
my number one thing is dancing. So I'm involved in country dancing and I compete in country dancing and it's a lot of fun. Oh yeah, that would be, that'd be awesome. Good way to build a network of people too, right? A community. Yeah, exactly. Thank you so much, Andrea, for joining me today. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show and learn so much about Red Deer. What's the best way when people want to get a hold of you, find you online? What are some ways to, for people to get a hold of you? What's the best way? Yeah, so I'm with the Realty Experts Group Brokerage here in Red Deer. So my email is Andrea at RealtyExpertsGroup.com. They can phone me 403-597-1161. Okay, awesome. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Calgary Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Peckford. I'm an investment-focused real estate agent in Calgary, Alberta. I'm also an entrepreneur, Red Seal electrician, and I hold a Master Home Inspection Certification. If you're thinking about investing in the Calgary area, please reach out and let me put my real estate expertise to work for you. I can be reached at 587-893-2272. Follow me on Instagram at PeckfordCorey, or my website is CoreyPeckford.com. Plus, we have a Facebook group. It's Calgary Real Estate Investing Group, so Craig for short. Please follow that. If you're getting great value from this podcast, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. That would be greatly appreciated. Thanks. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.